I love the uh, the words of that last song. Just it's <clears throat> I, I was just thinking as we were singing that. Just it's not that the Lord's presence wasn't here before. It's just that. His presence was here, but we were not aware, right? And so I love uh, just the reminder that he is here, he is present, he is still speaking, he is still powerful, he is, he is resurrection, right? That's what we've been talking about the, uh, the last few weeks. <clears throat> I want to start out with a story this morning. Um, I've shared with uh, some of you guys before that I came to Christ in college. Uh, I spent the first 18 years of my life kind of far from God, and, uh, and when I was 18, I met the first Christ follower I'd ever met, and it didn't take long before uh, I came to Christ and a few others um, on this uh, freshman dorm floor that I lived on, and we started a Bible study, and there was a group of uh, maybe 8 or 10 or 12 of us, I don't know, something like that by the end of my freshman year, and uh, we'd get together, we'd study, we'd pray for each other, and we'd try to do what we read. It, was, it wasn't like rocket science, but we were just trying to, to figure out what it looked like to really follow Jesus, and uh, and it was an amazing time. God did some cool stuff uh, in the in the small town that Tina and I went to school in in this era. And the next year, we got that Bible study kind of came back together, but instead of like 12 of us, it grew to about 60 or so. And at the same time, there was another Bible study on campus that we were also a part of that grew to about 75 people, which is a really big Bible study. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, and, uh, and so that year we decided uh, we affiliated with InterVarsity and it kept growing and growing. By the time we graduated from college there, uh, there was about 350 people that were a part of uh, the student ministry. And uh, many, many, many of those had come and put their faith in Christ, uh, the majority of them. And so it was just, it was a it was a time where there was perpetually, there's this ongoing life change happening all around us. People are coming to Christ and their lives are getting turned right side up. And all of, I mean, God was just at work. He was resurrecting people, if you will, in our midst. And it was an exciting time to, to be alive. It was an exciting time to, uh, to be on the campus. At the same time, this is, uh, I went to the, uh, I don't even know why, a friend of mine was going to this church and I decided I'm going to go to this church. It was the first church I'd gone to as a believer and uh, didn't, had never really experienced something different from that, uh, like I said, as a believer. And so started going, there's about 300 people. By the end of the year, there was a thousand people in that church. And, and again, like uh, tons of life changed. People were coming to Christ. And I was like, cool, this is just what church is like, right? I mean, like, this is just what life in the kingdom is like. People constantly coming to Christ and, uh, and seeing people raised up and sent out on mission and all this kind of stuff. It was exciting. Like I said, it was a great time uh, to be alive. It was a great time to serve in ministry, even as a student. But uh, one of the saddest things that has happened as, as uh, we've kind of grown up and we've, uh, we obviously moved off, as has pretty much everybody else, uh, moved away from that college, moved away from that town, is we've had to watch and we've, we've watched um, a number of our friends, people that um, had been around Jesus, people that by all external appearances, people that were walking with Christ, there's, uh, we've had to watch them sort of drift spiritually and, uh, and drift, some, some even to the point where they've shipwrecked their faith. They've just sort of given up on it, said, nah, I don't believe in this stuff anymore, and kind of walked off on their own. And it has been heartbreaking kind of stuff for us to watch. Um, it's weird, but like some, it's not even exactly who you'd guess. I mean, sure, there's some that you're like, yeah, we never were really 100% sure where they stood with the Lord. You know I mean, you're like, okay, they, they walk away. You're not too surprised. But we've had some that have been uh, jaw-dropping for us. One uh, is, uh, was a roommate of Tina's in college. Uh, she was a part of the student ministry with us. Um, she grew up in a Christian home. Her dad actually mentored me for a while. Uh, just an amazing family. She had an amazing voice, was a worship leader. She was probably everybody's favorite worship leader in, this, in the student ministry that we were a part of. I mean, when she sang, I mean, her voice was beautiful, but when she sang, she just ushered you into the presence of God. Do you know what I mean? Like it was everybody learned to kind of worship underneath her and that kind of stuff. Uh, um, Everybody would have, I mean, she probably would have been voted most likely to end up in ministry, like as a worship leader or, or that kind of thing. Uh, and we've kind of, we stayed in touch with her for a while after college and now mostly uh, follow her through social media. But uh, she ended up graduating after college. She went and moved out to the West Coast to probably one of the most godless cities in America, in all honesty. And 
and she, uh, for a while, she did okay. She got kind of plugged into a church. She met a guy who seemed to be on a trajectory towards ministry, and uh, they got married. Uh, they stayed there for a number of years. They ended up, uh, he, he, like I said, he felt called to ministry, so they ended up going to a seminary, moved to Florida to go to a seminary there, and started struggling uh, with their faith, started struggling and asking questions. In the midst of seminary, and you'll think this is crazy, but this happens sometimes, uh, lots of lots of academic scholarly input, not a lot of heart transformation kind of stuff going on. And he ends up, uh, he ends up saying, you know, I don't, I don't know that I buy this anymore. He converts to Judaism in the midst of it. He becomes a Jew and says, I'm going to reject Jesus. And then eventually rejects all of it and walked away from the faith. And she, this, this young woman uh, that had been, that is a good friend of ours, followed him. I mean, it took a few years, but eventually she has sort of turned away from all of it. I was reading a post uh, maybe a couple weeks ago that she made on Facebook, and I was so grieved in my spirit as, as she was just talking about basically not following Jesus anymore. And she was talking about um, not believing in all that kind of stuff. And, and I have to say, the kind of posts that she posts uh, these days... It, it seems like there's hardly a fraction left of the person that we knew and were privileged to walk with and do ministry with. And nothing is sadder to me than that. People, I mean, again, nobody would have seen it coming, but the kind of stuff that you see her post these days is filled with anger, maybe even hatred towards the church and towards Christ followers. You see it again and again and again. There's darkness, there's anger, there's disdain towards God. And I, I tell you, it's left us brokenhearted. It's, it, it, Tina and I sometimes will use this phrase and say, but that's something that I wish I didn't know, <laughs> right? I mean, that's something that I, I, I wish didn't happen. I mean, I wish that uh, it, it would fit into my nice, neat theological box, <laughs> right, of, of, of what happened. I wish that I didn't know that God would allow that to happen. But it does. You know what I mean? Like, it, it does sometimes, and I, I can't tell you uh, exactly why, or uh, I think there's people on different spiritual, uh, different theological spectrums that would explain it slightly differently, some of its semantics, but that's just me. But, but for whatever reason, they, they at least appeared like they were following Christ. It seemed like at least the roots had started to, to sprout, the plant had started to sprout, but then it ends up being nothing. It ends up going nowhere, and it's grieving. I know it's kind of a downer of an intro, so, but it's honest, so bear with me, okay? We're in our third week, in our final week of a kind of a little mini-series that we've been doing uh, here at Ignite called Arise, and uh, this series is all about sort of the resurrection life that God wants to bring about in you and in me through Jesus Christ. On Easter, of course, we talked about Jesus' resurrection, but we said it's, it's even more than that. It's even more than an event. Jesus describes himself and says, I am am resurrection, right? I am the resurrection and the life, he says. I am resurrection. I am life. And we talked about the fact that it's not just an event, although it's that too. It is who he is. And we said, here's the thing, is that dead things don't, don't tend to stay dead when Jesus is around, right? He tends to, to breathe hope, and he tends to breathe life into things that are, that are plugged into and abiding in him. It's not just something he does. It's who he is, and as we learn to walk with him, as we learn to abide with him, as we put our faith and trust in him, he brings us to life. And we talked about the fact that, the, that because of the cross, because of the resurrection, he makes this life available to anybody that would come and put their faith and their trust in him. He promises that he will forgive us for our past. He'll come and take up residency in us in the present, and he assures us of a future of eternal life with him, right? It's good news, right? It's good news. So that was, that was week one. That was Easter. It's fun to celebrate Easter, is it not? I mean, that's the good stuff. Last week, we had baptism Sunday. We said kind of part two, and I said, I'm going to let everybody else preach the message. So we had five people that got baptized that were proclaiming their faith in Christ, and we had them share their testimonies. And they, we got to see picture after picture after picture after picture of that truth lived out because Jesus is still bringing people to life. He is still resurrecting and bringing hope to lives and souls and eternities and marriages and on and faith families and on and on and on, right? I mean, he, it's who he is. It's what he does. And that's, I mean, last week it was fun. It was not. I mean, I love baptism Sunday. It's fun just to hear those stories and we celebrate and we say, yay, God, he is still doing that today. And I, uh, again, few things more fun, few things better, uh, 
than that in, in terms of hearing stories of how God is still at work, how he is still in the resurrection business today. Here's the danger, and here's what I found myself thinking about this week, though, and what I want to kind of talk about today. It's, I think it's easy for us when we think of salvation, when we think of God resurrecting us and bringing new life to our hearts and souls. I think it's easy for us to fall into uh, one of two extremes. We think of it either in the past tense, as in something that's back here. We think of, of salvation as an event, right? We think of it as being like, hey, I was a sinner, I was an old person, and I, you know, I my eyes were open to the gospel, to the good news about Jesus. I put my faith and trust in him. I prayed a prayer. I went forward. I raised my hand. I had an emotional experience with God. And, and there was a moment in which I turned from darkness to light. We think of it in the past tense, and rightly so, right? I mean, salvation begins the moment and at the time that we put our faith and trust in Christ. So we think of it on one side of the continuum, or we think of it on the other end of the continuum and say, what, one day I'm going to get to go to heaven and be with Jesus, and I'm going to live with him forever. That resurrection is coming when Jesus comes back. Je res you know, resurrection in real life is going to begin uh, the moment I die and wake up more alive than I have ever been, right, in heaven. We think of it in, in a future sort of sense. So you see what I'm saying? We tend to think of it on one end or the other. We think of it back here of like, I, I look back and I say, oh yeah, there was a new life that was given to me there. Salvation came to me there. Or we say salvation will fully be realized over here. My, my, all, that, the, the transformation process will be complete over here. And rightly so, for those things are true. It begins there. It will one day be fully realized over there. But what I want to talk today, today about is in the middle. Because... There's this tension that shows up throughout the Bible, <laughs> and, and we don't talk about it much, but it, it, I think we need, it needs some, some playtime, because it's, it, is, it is the in-between. It, it, it's the, the work out your salvation with fear and trouble. It's, it's the, the, the yes, we are, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the, the tension that we see in the Bible is that, yes, you were saved back here. But it, salvation, it's also an ongoing process, right? It, where God is transforming us and transforming us and bringing us to life and bringing us to life and bringing us to life. And then one day we'll be fully realized over here. But there is a journey and there is a process that happens in the middle. And as much as we like to say it's 100% God, which it is, there's also part of it that's us. There's also part of it that we have to cooperate with God. And I want to talk about that a little bit today because that resurrection process, it's not something, I, I, I don't know, it's not something that's just in the past. It's not something that's just in the future. But, but the journey from there to eternity matters. So many people get stalled out. So many people coast and float and drift and sometimes even get sh shipwrecked along the way. And I'm not going to get into the, the theological, well, were they really saved? Were they, I'm not going to get into that kind of stuff. But some, so often we get derailed in the now, in the, in the present tense, right? In the, in the experiencing the resurrection life today and tomorrow and the day after that on through to eternity. You see what I'm saying? And so today I want us to kind of zero in and focus in on that because it matters. Because scripture tells us that although Christ, of course, is the originator, and of course there is no such thing as us uh, flourishing and coming to life and resurrecting ourselves without Christ. Of course not. But we are told to live out our salvation, right? To live it out. We're told to keep in step with the Spirit. There's sort of an ongoing present continuous sort of nature of the resurrection life that God has for us. Let me, let me share a couple scriptures. This one I'm just going to hit on quickly because in two weeks we start a series on Colossians and I don't want to spoil it, but this is too great not to share. I want you to look at that, the past, present, future nature of this in Colossians 3, starting with verse 1, says this. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. By the way, uh, since then you have, you have been raised with Christ. What is, is that past, present, future? past, right? Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. By the way, that's present tense, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Present tense again, not on earthly things. Today, set your hearts and minds uh, on, on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, past tense, and your life, present tense, is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears. What is that one? 
future, right? When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. You see what I'm saying? It's past, it's future, but it's also present, right? It, there's, there's, there's stuff that God says in the middle of like, work this stuff out. Second Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, I'll just kind of keep going. Like I said, I don't want to spoil the Colossians because there's great stuff there for, for a, a month from now or something. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Listen to this. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So we fix our eyes not on, uh, on, uh, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. And it goes on from there. But I, I just love the imagery of that. Let me dig into that a little bit. Such a great picture. Outwardly, it says we are wasting away. Now, for those of us that are in our 20s or maybe younger 30s, maybe, that's, maybe that doesn't quite compute. But for those that are 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, can I get an amen? Outwardly, are we wasting away? <laughs> How do we see that kind of show up? Are there some aches and pains that show up sometimes? Is there some graying or some thinning of hair in some places where it, where it once was? And maybe now it's growing in other places that it's not supposed to as much, <laughs> right? Is that, is, is that happened? Uh, outwardly, are there wrink, is there wrinkling that's happening? Outwardly, we are wasting away, he says. And I think that's true, right? We see that play out in the real world. But I love, I love how, it go, how it continues. He says, but inwardly, he's talking about, he's like, my heart and my soul, my spirit are becoming more alive and more like Christ every single day of my life. Friends, when you and I are connected to and remaining in Christ, we become more alive day by day by day. Why? Because Christ is is resurrection. It's what he does. It's who he is. He brings us to life. And as you and I abide, as we stay connected to him, he brings life. Though outwardly, we might be wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day by day by day. By the way, is, is that past? Is that future? Yes, but it's also present, isn't it? Day by day, by day, by day, we are being renewed as we remain, as we walk with, as we grow with Jesus Christ. It's the good stuff. By the way, this is uh, this passage in Second Corinthians. Uh, when it's being written, the author is likely in a Roman prison cell. This wasn't like a comfort spot. This wasn't a four-star resort or anything. But he's in prison. He's chained, uh, likely, barely getting enough food. Probably has been tortured, has been beaten in some way, been mocked. And yet he's saying, every day, while my body might be gradually falling apart, he's saying, every day, I'm becoming more alive than you can even imagine. <laughs> Right? I'm coming to life. I'm becoming more like Christ. I'm becoming more whole every single day. Can I stop for a second and just say, I wonder if the same could be said for you. Are you coming to life internally? Is your heart and your soul and your spirit, I mean, can those around you look, look at you and say, man, there's life coming off of them. Man, they're looking more like Jesus today than they were last year at this time. When, when people look at you, do they see the life associated with Christ welling up from within you? Do they see that or do they just see somebody that's churchy or do they just see a nice person or do they just see what, you see what I'm saying? He said, outwardly, I may be falling apart. <laughs> Maybe, right? That's what he's saying. I'm wasting away, he says. But inwardly, I'm being renewed. I'm coming to life. I'm being renewed day by day. I'm changing. I'm growing. I am being transformed into the image of Christ. One more kind of thought on this little passage. I think it's fascinating. He says, uh, outwardly, he, it's interesting because he doesn't say outwardly I am wasting, Renee, wasting away, but inwardly I am being renewed day by day. What does he say, by the way? He says, yet inwardly, what is that word? 
we. You know what? I, I find comfort in these words because Paul, Paul is sort of a spiritual superstar of sorts, right? I mean, like he's kind of the elite. These guys, the writers of scripture, you look at them, you're like, okay, well, I'm not like them, right? I mean, they're like up here, I'm like down here kind of thing. No, he's talking about we, the collective we, the church, followers of Jesus. This, is, this includes you and me. He's like, if we're doing it right, if we are walking with and living with Christ, even though outwardly, we might be deteriorating, right? This, this body might be decaying because of the sinful world that we live in. Inwardly, if we're walking with him, we should be coming to life more and more and more. Now, is this just kind of a one and done deal? No. Are we renewed once? No. He says, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day by day. I'll tell you what, friends, I think the same is true as we follow Christ. And the thing that's interesting is, uh, again, I'm going to go back to that whole, that whole uh, time frame kind of thing. The thing that's interesting is that uh, when we think of salvation on the time frame, again, when we think of it as back here, there is a moment where we put our faith and trust in Christ. That's where the resurrection process begins. That's where the renewal process begins. We are renewed uh, back here when we put our faith and trust in Christ. And yes, it'll be fully realized over there. But, but what I like about this and what's kind of challenging, and I think the, the cool stuff in the midst of this, is even though the decision happens in a brief moment, right, and it changes our eternity, it changes our standing before God, it changes our reality and kind of who we are before God, it takes a lifetime for that to, for that, for what happened positionally before God to become reality in our lives. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm, 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 I don't know if you're tracking with me. I'm not sure I'm communicating that well. But even, let me give you an example. I think sometimes it, it could be similar to an 18-year-old kid uh, walking down to an army recruiter's office or a Navy recruiter's office or a Marine recruiter's office or whatever, and they walk in, they sign some paperwork, and they walk out, and their position, like who they are has changed. Their identity has changed. Of course. The, the paperwork that has been signed says they are, are a soldier now, right? You're a soldier, you're a Marine, you're a whatever. Now, when they walk out of the door of that Army recruiter's office, do they look like a Marine? Do they act like a Marine? Do they know really much about the values and vision of what it actually means to live this out? No. I mean, some yes, some no, but a, a little bit more, but not so much. It will, it will take them weeks and months and sometimes years to really live this out, to let the reality of, of what, that paper, what they signed away in that paperwork, saying, yes, I'm going to be a soldier. It's going to take them time to learn, how do, I, how do I follow the chain of command? How do I surrender my own will, right, to the will of somebody that's in charge? How do I, it, it'll take time, right? It'll take time for them to get into the physical shape that they need to get into to be able to do the tasks that are put before them. It'll take time for them to learn the culture and the vision. Now, there's, there's some parts where they grow way faster than others. I think boot camp has a way of probably speeding the process along, right, kind of thing. But, but it, there's a process, there's a journey, right, that they take to become who they were back there. Were they there? I mean, were they a soldier back there? Yes. I mean, that's when it started. But the journey for the transformation took years and years and years till the outside matched what was true on the inside. And I think the same is true in our walk with Christ to some degree, right? When, when we have a, that moment where we have a come to our senses kind of moment, right? Where we're like, I've been living on my own and I have ruined, I've wrecked it. <laughs> I've, I've done so much damage to my life, to those around me. I've fallen from God. I've turned away from, I've, I've, made, I've shipwrecked <laughs> all kinds of things. And, and we say, God, God, would you forgive me? And we turn back home to him. We say, God, would you make me new? Would you make me your son? Would you forgive me for the past? Would you come and live inside of me? Right? When we open up our hearts and lives to Christ, at that moment, the Bible says, we are justified. We are made right with God. And he starts calling us some identity kind of things. He says, you're my son. You're my daughter. You are completely forgiven. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus in you. Right? He sees you just as if you never sinned. So just justified means. He sees you brand spanking new. He assures 
assures us that we are given a new life, that we're given a new community, that we're given a mission and a purpose, and we get up off our knees, and sometimes we can feel that, right? And we're like, "Woo, this is great. I love this. Everybody needs to know. But within a few days or weeks or months after some of the buzz wears off, we don't look, I mean, maybe a little bit different, but we don't look a whole lot different than we did before. And sometimes we don't feel it at that moment. And what is true of us positionally then needs to get walked out. We, we walk out that resurrection life. We walk out that salvation. And God starts doing this transformational work in us where we are renewed day by day by day. And, and suddenly after days and weeks and months and years, God, we look back and we're like, God is resurrecting me. He has changed everything. He has brought new life to my soul. And suddenly we start to look like it a little bit more down here than we did back there. And if we're doing it right, that, will, that transformation, that work will continue right up to the day when we die and we wake up in his presence. If we do it right, because he is resurrection, right? That's, that's who he is. It's what he does. Well, I better keep going or I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but Salvation and transformation and life is a long-term endeavor. It involves, involves both God, certainly his work in our lives, but it involves our cooperation too. Listen to one more uh, scripture, and then I've got a, the main passage we're going to dive into for today. It says this, but this is Philippians 2. I thought this was fascinating. I want you to hear both, uh, both parts of this in the Philippians 2 passage. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. According to that verse, what's our part, by the way? What's our part? What's, what are we told to do? To work out our salvation, right? To work it out. That's our part. What's God's part? Right? He's going to empower us. He's going to whatever to, to be able to uh, will and to act according to his good purposes, right? He's going to do everything possible in us to, to bring about that transformation so that we can will and we can act in line with him. One author, I read this week, I thought this is great. Uh, our part is to obey, to live it out. Right? His part is to provide the, the power and the ability to be transformed. One author uh, likened it to this this week. He said, it's kind of like crossing an ocean. He said, some people try day after day to be good on their own, to become spiritually mature on their own. He says, it's like, it's like trying to take a rowboat across the ocean. It's like, it's, it's just, it's exhausting, but it's also unsuccessful. You can row and row and row and row and row and in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to get you there. Right? It's just not going to happen. He said others have given up trying altogether. They've, they've thrown themselves entirely into relying on God's grace, he says. But what that, what that means is this. He says they're depending on God to do everything while they do whatever they want. Right? Well, just, he said, he said this kind of drifting uh, on a raft, that won't get you there either. They do nothing but hang on and just, just hope that God gets them uh, where they need to be. He said, neither drifting or trying are very effective in bringing about spiritual transformation in our lives. He said, a better image is like that of a sailboat in which if it moves at all, it's a gift of the wind. <laughs> we can't control the wind, but a good sailor discerns where the wind is blowing and adjusts the sails accordingly. He ends by saying this. He says, working with the Holy Spirit, which Jesus likened to wind in John 3, means we have a part in discerning the winds and knowing the direction we need to go and in training our sails to catch the breeze that God provides and then moving forward. That's true transformation. Look with me. The rest of the time, I just want to look in, zero in on John 15. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them up. Starting with verse 4, we're gonna, uh, I want us to look at kind of three things in this. Uh, but it just says this. This is Jesus teaching here. Jesus talking. He says this. Remain in me, he says to his followers. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. 
This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do we show ourselves to be his disciples, by the way? Bear fruit, right? It goes on and says, so this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And how do we do that? Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. Isn't that awesome? I love this passage. It's great. What's our part, by the way, in this whole thing? What are we supposed to do? He says it again and again and again and again. Remain, Remain, right? Our job is to remain in Christ, he says. What's God's part? Everything else. (laughs) I mean, God's part, he says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. You're going to have a fruitful life. It's another way of saying, I'm going to bring you to life. I'm going to bring about my kind of fruit you. I'm going to bring about love and hope and peace and joy. and all. I'm going to bring fruit to bear in your life as all you have to do is remain or abide in me. So what does that mean? What does it mean to remain in him or to, to go back to the other passage? What, is it, what does it mean to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? What is, how do we continue to live in resurrection, the resurrection life today? What does it look like to cooperate with God in this transformation process? Well, it's interesting. He actually tells us in the passage, right? I mean, there's several things he mentions. I'm just going to hit, uh, I'm going to hit three of them, uh, the majority of what's there. But uh, I just want you to kind of see this. And it's, again, is it rocket science? No. Is it something that we actually need to act on, though? Yes. Because salvation is not just a past thing. It's not just a future thing, but it's a present, ongoing process where we cooperate with God. How do we remain in him? Well, here we go. Uh, three things. The first one is this. We develop spiritual habits, right? We, we kind of commit to and develop healthy spiritual habits in our lives that keep us plugged in and growing with God. These are habits that help bring about his transforming work in our lives and keep us connected to Jesus. If, you, if you're doing spiritual practices, but it's not bringing about transformation or life change, then you're doing it wrong right? I'm, I'm not kidding. Like the, these practices are meant to continue the transforming work that were, were crafted more in his image day by day by day by day, right? This is, that's why they're given to us. It's part of the point. It's part of how he makes, how he remakes us and makes us like him. Jesus mentions a couple of these in John 15, but the first one is this, verse 7. He says, if you remain in me and my words, he says, remain in you, ask for anything and I'll do it. It's a fascinating question. He said, if my words remain, that's fascinating, isn't it? What's his word? Yeah, what's his word, right? He says, if my words remain in you, then ask and I'll answer, then I'll bear much fruit, then all that kind of stuff will be happening in our lives. It's a key to sort of bearing spiritual fruit. It's a key to keeping connected to Christ, to remaining in him. It's through his words to dwell in our hearts and in our minds. And we do this by uh, reading it. It's not, again, not rocket science, right? But it, we, we do this kind of through a spiritual workout of saying, man, I'm going to take 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 minutes a day or whatever, and I'm going to be drinking in his word. I love, uh, I picked this up years ago from Tozer, uh, who's awesome, but that's a whole different story. But he uh, was an uneducated man, but a great author, writer, just love Jesus wholeheartedly. And he would have his time with God on his knees as sort of a symbol of just saying, God, would you speak? Would, would, you, would, you, would you speak to me? Would you, would you tell me how to live? Would you, would you show me what I need to do? Would you, would you speak? And so he would read the word on his knees sort of in an attitude of prayer, just saying, Lord, speak to me. And he'd read that way every day. I love, I don't do that always, but I I do that sometimes just as a way to kind of keep me uh, plugged into him and saying, God, would you speak to me as I read your word? It reminds me of whose word this is. It's not just an old dusty book, right, that you can get something up. It's God's word. He he breathed into it and he speaks through it if we'll listen. And God says, if you want, Jesus says, if you want to remain in me, if you want to bear fruit, if you want to live out this life that I have for you, then you've got to let my words remain in you, right? 
I mean, I have to say, again, uh, if I were to ask you to raise your hand and say, man, who knows that if you're a Christ follower, you should read the Bible? Everybody would say, oh, yeah. But the, the thing is, the question is, do we actually do it, right? Uh, the stats would say more than 50% of us don't crack the book at all. Then after that, it starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, once a week, right? A couple times a week, right? Every day, you get down to a pretty thin slice of the pie, and God says, man, I'll tell you what, if you want to abide in me, if you want to remain in me and see that transforming work that happens day after day after day after day, you've got to let my word dwell in you and remain in you. You've got to hear it. You've got to drink it in. You've got to dwell on it. There's more, but I'm gonna, uh, I'll, I'll stop there. He goes on, verse 7. It says, okay, not only do my words need to remain in you, he says, but the next thing he says is ask. He says, then ask for anything and I'll, and I'll give it to you according to my will, right? Just ask. But what's asking talking about? Prayer, right? He's saying ask. Would, one of the ways we stay connected to the vine, that we remain in him, that we bear much fruit, that we allow God's transforming power and the resurrection life to happen in us, the way we do that is through prayer. Nothing fancy. It doesn't have to be like all these big churchy words that you use and, and all this kind of stuff. It can be real simple. Normal people can do it. In fact, Jesus prefers it, right? Just the honest, raw, real conversation. You talking to God throughout your day, right? Ongoing and also probably a focused time where you can just connect with the Lord, where you can, you can thank him for his goodness, where you can worship him for being the God who is, who is faithful, who is holy, who is perfect, who is powerful, who is whatever. Spending time gazing on him and worshiping him and thanking him for who he is. But also just taking the stuff that's going on in your day, the stuff that's plaguing your heart, the stuff that's bringing anxiety to your life, and you bring it and you just dump it before him and say, God, I need you. I can't do this. Apart from you, I can do nothing. So would you come, God? Would, you, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done here? I need you. Align me to you. If there's stuff I'm screwing up, forgive me. Right? Bring and, and lead me forward. Teach me how to live. Show me how to live this stuff out. Spiritual habits in our life. It's part of how we stay connected to God. It matters, right? That's, that's where the transformation, that's where the good stuff happens in our lives. I better keep going. Second one is uh, commit to doing what it says, right? This is, this is where the rubber meets the road because there are all kinds of people that know this book that can quote it. I had a, a, a professor in college that taught, uh, was it Old Testament? New Testament? I can't even remember what. He taught Hebrew, I remember that, and some of the, the other classes. He'd been to seminary. He was an atheist. He could quote the Bible like nobody's business but there was no transformation. There was no Christ abiding in him. There, was no, there wasn't the power. There wasn't the ongoing nature of this kind of stuff. It's not just hearing it, although that's the first part, but then it's obeying, right? Putting it into practice in our lives. All the passages I read this week uh, talk about that, right? In the John 15 uh, passage, it says, do you want to know how to remain in me, how to remain in my love? He says, if you keep my commands, if you obey my commands, then you are remaining in my love, then you will remain in my love. In Philippians, Paul says, as you, as you have always obeyed and when I was there, but now even much more in my absence, continue to do so. Continue to obey and thereby live out your salvation. I think so many of us have a distorted or kind of confused picture of what it looks like to walk with Christ in America. I don't know why, but there are so many uh, churches, so many Christ followers that can spout out and even have memorized entire books of the Bible, and we can beat the crap out of other people with it. We can point out everybody else's faults and everybody else's sins, but we're not actually living it out ourselves. We're not putting it into practice. And if you think spiritual maturity is the first first one, then you've missed it. Then you've missed it because this is meant for you, right? Jesus says, why don't you take the log, the plank out of your own eye first, and then you can help somebody with a speck in their own eye, right? Let it hit home first. If you're reading this and thinking about somebody else, you're not doing it right. He's given you, he's speaking to you. Let it transform you, right? When Jesus says, 
You shouldn't even have a hint of sexual immorality among you. You know who he's speaking to you? You. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to us, right? He's speaking to each one. Don't, you don't need to look elsewhere. When Jesus says, man, if somebody, you know, if somebody offends you, hurts you, whatever, turn the other cheek to him and let him hit that one also. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. When he says that kind of stuff, you know who he's talking to? You don't need to look elsewhere. Let's look to our own hearts. Allow him to transform us. He's speaking to you and to me and saying, man, would you live this out today? Would, it's part of what it looks like to abide in him, and to remain in him. As we do that, he brings about the transformation process in our life and how we are actually living our lives on the outside starts looking like what positionally was true way back there when we put our faith and trust in Christ. It's meant to be lived out day after day after day. And yeah, at first there's some big things that, that, that show up, and then there's the little things, right? But he wants to keep transforming those. What's well, not that big a deal? I'm a control freak, right? It's just who I am. I can't help it. He wants to transform that too. Oh, I deal with anger. I'm just, it's not me. It's just that everybody else is idiots, right? I mean, that's, that's the real issue. No, he wants to transform that. You see what I'm saying? Like there's some of those things that we, we tend to make okay. Oh, it's not, it's, it's fine. Uh-uh. As we walk with Christ, he's going to keep pointing those things out. He's going to keep speaking, and our role is to obey, right? To follow, to remain in the flow of his spirit that way, to keep following and stay in alignment with him. Third one, and then I'll end. Uh, the third one is this. He, and this is, I'm just going to talk about this for a second because it's kind of the theme of the whole passage, but he talks about remaining in him. And I'm just going to say this, too, is a spiritual practice of sorts, and, and it's just a matter of learning to sort of stay connected with them throughout the day. And this is a little different. This is way beyond religion, right? This is way beyond uh, just coming to church on Sunday and punching the clock and then going home afterwards and say, well, I did my Christian duty for the week. We're all good. I mean, it's not like that, right? This is suddenly, this is, we talk a good game in church about relationship with Jesus, but this is where the rubber meets the road, right? This is, this is saying, man, when we get up in the morning saying, well, good morning, Lord. How do you, how do you want to use me today? How can, I, how can I follow you today? What do you want to say to me today? Speak and I'll listen. Would you make me aware of your presence in my life? This is where the Holy Spirit comes and starts directing and filling. This is where the cool stuff starts happening too, by the way. But it only happens as we, stay, as we remain in him throughout the day. Certainly, uh, this is not to say we still need his word, right? I'm not, I'm not saying we still need his word. We still need to be praying. We still need to be connecting. But this is sort of the ongoing nature throughout the day. We've talked about this before, but different people have different practices to kind of help, help remind them of this. And I've got a friend that uses doorknobs. I've shared this before, but every time he, he goes to go through a doorknob, he just lets that be a reminder and, and says, I'm just going to pray. So God, whatever's on the other side of that door, I pray for your, you know, your leadership and your direction. Keep me in step with you. Some people, every time the phone rings, right, or, or something like that, or they get a text or anything, they'll just use that as a reminder. If you hear a buzz, rather than checking your phone right away, what if that's a reminder to turn Godward in your own soul? Just say, God, is there something you want to say to me here? Is there some way that you want to use me? As opposed to getting distracted all the time, what if we use some of the everyday, ordinary things like that as a way to, to remind us and to draw our eyes back to the Father, back to God, but to the Spirit and just say, speak and lead and direct teach me to pray in the midst of Sometimes God will bring somebody to mind. Just pray for them, right? Would you, and then maybe if you follow up or whatever later, but, but use that as a way to kind of just keep you connecting back to God as a way to keep walking with God because he really does want a relationship with you. It's not just rhetoric. He wants to lead and direct you. There'll be stuff he'll, he'll convict. If you've been, if you spent time in the word in the morning, you know what? The Holy Spirit will bring the sucker to mind throughout your day. I guarantee it. He does it all the time. Where he'll, he'll bring that thing up. It'll be like, yeah, now's the time to put it into practice, right? When, when your anger level's getting higher and higher and higher, you're like, oh, I read that today. Holy Spirit's going to push that thing forward and say, yeah, you need to, you need to forgive. You need to let that go. You need to love even though they haven't loved you well. It doesn't matter. You need to forgive the way I've forgiven you, not the way they've forgiven you. You need to walk in purity the way I did, Jesus says. He's going to prompt you to put this stuff into practice. And as we remain in him, we will bear fruit. You know what's cool? It doesn't just say that we will bear fruit. It says we will bear much fruit. How much is much, you think? Is it a little bit? It's a lot. 
saying, you're going to bear much fruit. Can we just stop for a second? Again, I've watched too many people omit the walking with Christ in the middle. They, they, they maybe did the past thing. I don't know if it's real or not or whatever. That's for somebody else to decide. Yeah, maybe they've got the hope for, for forever, but, but they've omitted this walking with Christ and abiding with Christ in the middle. They've drifted and they floated away from God. And I care too much about you to see that happen. And so I just want you to ask yourself this question today as we're kind of wrapping up. If we were to do a spiritual CAT scan on you and we were to take a real close look to your life, would you see fruit? Would you see your life becoming more like Christ? Would you see his love and his grace pouring out of you to other people around you? Would you see an increasing hunger for his word? Would the, could, if we did a spiritual CAT scan on you, would we see you remaining and abiding in him throughout the course of your day more and more and more? Would we see you working out and living out your salvation with fear and trembling? Day in and day out. Yes, there's ups and downs. This isn't a perfection. This isn't a works-based thing. His grace is what empowers us. It's what frees us up to be able to live in this. But when we see a trajectory that's up and to the right and saying, I'm becoming more like him. I'm walking. I'm more aware of his presence. I'm more filled with his love. I have more of a passion and a love for other people that they would know Christ too. Are we seeing that more and more and more in our lives? Can I just hit pause and just say, if not, and I'm not trying to be scary here, but from John 15, if not, I think we ought to do some serious reflecting. We ought to step back from our lives and say, am I connected to Christ? Am I solidified in Christ? Have I opened up and put my faith and trust in Christ? Is he both my Savior and my Lord, the leader of my life? Because if he is, according to Scripture, you will bear much fruit. And if you're not, then chances are you're probably not connected to him. That's a scary thing. Oh, what the heck, I'll tell you another story. <laughs> and then I'll be done. Ah, heck with the time. We're just going to, uh, I've got a friend that did, a, uh, did an internship uh, in the Senate a number of years ago kind of thing. And he shows up as like, a, I don't know, he was probably in college at the time. So maybe a 20-year-old little like page dude or whatever they call him, a little intern. Uh, and he, on his first day, he walked in to this elevator. And there was a sign on the door uh, some, that had some word uh, that he didn't really recognize or understand. So he gets on the elevator. As he goes to get on the elevator, somebody said, you're not supposed to be here. And, uh, and he's like, yes, I am. He, I mean, he's thinking, I'm an intern here. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm supposed to be here. And, uh, and so he's like, what in the world are you talking about? So he gets, he gets in the elevator and there's all these senators that are in the elevator, right? And they're all like, they're all like in full suits and the whole thing. They're all dressed up and everything. And he's like, what in the world? And another, another person kind of chimes over and says, um, you're not, uh, are, 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 he said something about like, are you sure you're supposed to be here? And he said, I'm, I'm standing there and I just gave him the nod. <laughs> and he said, the crazy thing, so, so here's what's happening. And he, this happened several times. He wrote it all the way down. All the senators get out and they go onto the floor because there's a vote call. Right, And so it was an all call. When, when there's this call and you're on the clock and everybody has to go vote, the only people that are supposed to go on, the eleva on, the, on these elevators are the senators, those that are going to vote. And they're trying to keep it freed up. And he said, the crazy thing is he's like, everybody in the place knew I wasn't supposed to be there. They knew that I, I didn't really belong there, that I, wasn't a, that I wasn't a senator, right? That's not who I was. He said, but I had no idea kind of thing. And I, I, I just love, uh, it's just a fun story. But I have to say, going back to the, the friend that I talked about at the beginning and whatever else, man, if there are some of us that aren't in God's kingdom, but we think we are, I want you to know. I, this is not something you want to dink around with. This is not something you just want to be, uh, you know, you just want to pretend or hope or whatever else. I want you to know. And so I want you to do the spiritual CAT scan Take it seriously today and spend a little bit of time just reflecting, Lord, are you bearing fruit in my life? 
Is there transformation? Am I living out my salvation? Is there transformation? Again, not in a works based, like you have to earn God's approval. That's not what I mean. But am I remaining and following and becoming who I'm meant to? And if not, then today is the day. You don't want to waste another moment where you need to drop to your knees. As, and some of us have done that before, but we've drifted. And it's time for us to drop to our knees again, open up our hearts and say, God, would you forgive me? I've been going my own way. I've been drifting. I, maybe I prayed that prayer or had that emotional experience, but I have not been living it out. I've not been plugged in and remaining and staying with you and walking with you throughout life. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive that sin? And starting today, God, would you teach me to walk with you? Would you teach me to live with you? Help me to open up your book. Help me to abide and to put this regular practice of prayer. Would you teach me to obey and follow? And even throughout my day, God, would you keep drawing my eyes Godward? Would you speak? Would you teach me to listen? Would you open my ears so that I can remain in you? so that I can know your joy, so that I will bear much fruit. Let's do that as we pray together. God, I think for all of us, uh, it's convicting to do a, a spiritual CAT scan to kind of take a look at our lives. And God, for, for some of us, we look, and, and if we're honest, we're saying, man, I'm, I think I've been living and doing this thing on my own. And God, if that's us, uh, I just, we just open up our hands and our hearts to you and just say, God, would you forgive us? Would you cleanse us from our sin? Forgive us for going our own way. Forgive us for drifting or whatever. And God, for right here, right now, we just say, come, Lord Jesus, come and wash away our sin. We look to you. We put our hope and faith in you because of the cross, because you came to take our sin away, to bring about a resurrection in us. God, would you come and do that in us? Would you be our Savior, but would you also be our King and our God? Would you teach us to follow you? Teach us to remain in you. For our joy, for yes. To bear much fruit, yes, but God, to bring you great glory. Would you be, would your goodness and your love and your mercy and your, would all that just be reflected in the work that you do in us? Make us more like you. And God, for those of us maybe that see some fruit, uh, I, I pray as well, God, that, that you would just continue to draw us in, continue to open our eyes to see you and know you, your word, your spirit, your leading. Teach us in, to obey and to put into practice what you're teaching us so that you may bear much fruit in us. God, we love you. We need you. We open up our hearts, our hands. We say, come, Lord Jesus, have your way. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.